When I left the Mass last night and went home, uh, I noticed something that always fascinates me right around Christmas time. And first of all, I ran into a whole lot of traffic. And that always happens about this time of year. And so it took me quite a long time to get home uh, from the, the four o'clock mass yesterday. But I noticed all the energy and all the lights, all the flashing lights, all the decorations. And when I got into uh, the neighborhoods around our house, I, I saw that all the lights were out and it was incredible seeing the, the, the festive, uh, jubilant, uh, celebratory nature of, of this time of the year. And I realized as I was getting closer to our house that, uh, you know, it's easy to get caught up in all the excitement and the lights and the energy and the sounds and the traffic. To get caught up so much that we miss the importance of this season. And so that's why I have always counted on the fourth week in Advent, along with the friend that I mentioned earlier, to have a, a period of time to prepare in silence and meditation the incredible event that God is representing to us at the incarnation of our Lord. And I realized, as my friend did, that I've only got one day to do that now. Tonight is the night. And so, I did something I've never done before when I got home last night and early this morning when I got up. I, I got on the internet and I started looking at the oldest photographs I could find. Uh, first of all, Nazareth from our Gospel reading today. The Blessed Virgin Mary was... Uh, uh, confronted by the angel in Nazareth at the home of her parents down in where Mary's well is at uh, deep in what's now the Basilica of the Annunciation and the pictures I found you know we haven't had uh, still photography much more than 150 years going back to 1860 the 1850s at the earliest and the oldest photographs I could find of Nazareth first were from around 1860. And then there were some from around 1900. And I spent a little bit of time looking at those old photographs of Nazareth, which then probably had maybe, a, you know, in the photographs it looked like it had about 1,000 people, maybe 1,500 uh, at the time of... Uh, the Annunciation to Mary, uh, the archaeologists tell us that it had anywhere, and I love how archaeologists do this, they pick a, a, a measure of distance or space or numbers, anywhere from 200 to 1,500 people in Nazareth. And so I was looking at the old black and white, dusty uh, buildings and houses uh, in Nazareth from about 1860 and there were very few people in it and so I just spent some time looking and imagining how life was different over 150 years ago than it is now much slower much different 
no flashing lights and loud clanging uh, songs blaring forth, a simple life. And in Nazareth in particular, it was still and quiet, even though we're going to sing about the stillness and quietness of the little town of Bethlehem tonight. Bethlehem was a well-known city compared to Nazareth. Bethlehem is mentioned in the Hebrew Scriptures. Nazareth is not, which is shocking. It's not mentioned at all in the Hebrew Scriptures. And so there were those who thought when they said that there was a prophet come from Nazareth, oh no, 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 no prophet will ever come from Nazareth. Search the Scriptures and see. Nazareth, Nazareth isn't even mentioned in the Hebrew Scriptures. But nevertheless, that still, gray, quiet, simple photograph started making my mind work a little bit. To get beyond the sights and the sounds and the flashing lights and, and all the energy that's being expended at this time of year. Those things are really, ultimately, not necessary for us. Because when I looked at the, the photographs of Bethlehem, you know, I got some pictures from about 1900. Very simple as compared to today. The population of Bethlehem today is around 25,000. And back in 1900 or so, it had about 1,000 people also. At the time of the incarnation, maybe about 1,000 people also. Now, Bethlehem was on the caravan route. Nazareth wasn't. Nazareth, you had to really want to get there, to get there. No major roads went through there. And again, it's not mentioned in the Hebrew Scripture, so it wasn't a destination point. Bethlehem was a crossroads, six miles south of Jerusalem. Nazareth, on the other hand, was way up north in Galilee, on the rim of the hills of Galilee, looking down on the Jezreel Valley. It was hard to get to. And it was a simple town. Bethlehem was also. It was a shepherd's town. So looking at the photographs, I was letting my mind go backwards into the Scripture passages that we have and trying to enter into the narrative that we have today and we'll have tonight, the narrative that changes the course of history. And we find, first of all, in our Gospel lesson today that we're in Nazareth. Mary is 14 years old or thereabouts, and she is probably saying her prayers, and she was probably alone, and the angel appeared to her. Notice that the angel didn't appear to make this announcement to her. The angel didn't broadcast it from Jerusalem outwards. The angel didn't go to the Senate in Rome and make the announcement. The angel made the announcement down in the little grotto in the little unmentioned town of Nazareth to a 14-year-old girl. He said, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed are you among all women. We're told that young Mary, how could you be prepared for the angel to come to you? We're so used to singing the songs of the angels loudly and vociferously. How can you ever be prepared for an angel to come to you? Well, Mary had spent time in prayer, and when the angel appeared, her first thought was, this is different. 
This is different, and she was afraid. Yeah, you would be afraid for the archangel Gabriel to appear to you, except we know that God speaks to us in his own voice, through the voices of angels, primarily in a still, small voice. He doesn't shout at us. And we're accustomed to singing loudly and lustily when we sing the songs of the angels. But the angel very reverently said to her, Hail Mary, full of grace. And she said, How can this be? And what kind of a greeting is this? And the angel announced to her, Behold, Mary, you will conceive and bear a child who will be Christ the Lord. And Mary was still puzzled, and she said, how, how can this happen? I'm not married. I've not known a man. At that time, she was betrothed to Joseph, a carpenter. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will do this, Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the child you bear will be, be called holy, will be called the Son of God. And of all the things this 14-year-old girl could say in response to the archangel's invitation to her, of all the things, she could not possibly have understood what it meant for the Holy Spirit to overshadow you and to conceive without a husband. She could not possibly have understood. We don't even understand that today. How could she have understood that in the quiet, out-of-the-place, in-nowhere land in Nazareth? not even mentioned in the Hebrew Scriptures. How can that be? Because of all things, it was the, the prophet Micah who said, the one to be born will be in Bethlehem of Ephrathah. Bethlehem is where the Messiah will be born, not Nazareth. Here's Mary in Nazareth. She could not possibly have understood what was going to be asked of her to bring a child into the world as a single mom, betrothed to a man, much less later on finding out that, that they were going to have to go from Nazareth down to Bethlehem when she was nine months pregnant to be enrolled for the census as required by Augustus Caesar. Little did Caesar know that when he ordered the census to be taken, he was setting in motion the events to take the Virgin Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem where the Messiah could be born. Caesar had no way of knowing that, but God did. Just as Cyrus, the king of the Persians, had no way of knowing that when he was releasing the Jewish people from the captivity in Babylon, that he was doing God's will. So much so that the Hebrew Scripture called Cyrus the Messiah. So Mary, of all the things she could say, not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing that this child would ultimately grow up to die in her presence on a Roman cross. She didn't know any of that. She could not have even understood that. And this 14-year-old girl, in her innocence, said to the angel, let it be unto me according to your word. I am the handmaid of the Lord. Mary said yes, setting in motion the event that lead us directly to our masses tonight in the out-of-the-way, nowhere place of Nazareth. Now, later on, they would have to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That would have been a dangerous journey then. It's a dangerous journey today 
with the wars going on there now. It's always been dangerous. There are only two ways that they could possibly have gone from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. They could have gone straight south down to the Jezreel Valley, the rim of the mountain, go down straight through the heart of Samaria, Samaritan land. And we know that that would have been a difficult thing for a Jewish person to do. Most of the Jewish people sidetracked Samaria. They were considered unclean to the Orthodox Jewish people. So they could have gone straight down through Samaria. It would have been about 70 miles. And 70 miles, they would have needed some protection other than the Holy Spirit, which they were protected by. They could have gone that way, or they, Scripture doesn't tell us. They could have gone to the east, down to the Jordan River Valley, down the King's Highway, down to Jericho, and then up the Jericho Road to Bethlehem. That's about 90 miles. One of them would have taken five days, the other about seven days, and Mary being nine months pregnant. Scripture doesn't tell us that she rode on a donkey. That's not in there. That's a later tradition. We hope that she was, because that would have been hard to walk five or seven days in her condition as a 14-year-old. And even the, the, taking the King's Highway would have been dangerous because once they got to Jericho, they would have had to climb up the winding Jericho Road up to Bethlehem about almost 3,000 feet. Jericho's down near the Dead Sea, which is the lowest place on the face of the earth at 1,800 feet below sea level. Jerusalem is about 3,600 feet above sea level. And so they would have had to go up that winding road that had caves and crevices, and it was a dangerous road. So they were facing danger. Mary didn't know that when she said yes. But our God is a God of great surprises and works in ways that we cannot even imagine. He rarely, I think, works amidst the, the, the noise and the energy and the excitement. He still speaks to us in the still, small voice. On this fourth Sunday in Advent, as we look at Mary, her saying yes to the Lord, we look at Joseph, her carpenter husband, their preparation for this incredible event that would change the course of the world and history and the events taking place around them and Israel under the captivity of the Roman Empire. So when they left their home in Nazareth to go to Nazareth, to Bethlehem, they were displaced from their home. So here was, in many ways, an, an unwed mother pregnant with a child and in a country that was occupied by a foreign power. So in a sense, they were minorities and they were among the lowest of the low from Nazareth, from nowhere. And it's them that God picked. But the still voice and still small voice spoken to a virgin, the world has changed. So my brothers and sisters, on this fourth Sunday in Advent, we don't have a whole week to meditate on this. We better get ready because the greatest event in history is going to be represented to us tonight. Let us take a moment and listen to his still small voice in our hearts, calling us to say yes to him. Remember that he loves you with his very best, and he gave us his very best, his son Jesus. 
brought into the world in a miraculous way through the Blessed Virgin Mary, who in her young, tender age said, yes, God, let it be unto me as you will. Let that be our response to him. Yes, Lord, let it be unto me as you will. Amen.